Cult Collectibles is the number one site for historical items from the People's Temple, Heaven's Gate, Om Shinrikyo, and many other cults that you never even knew existed. Hundreds of hours of work have gone into curating our collection of unique and one-of-a-kind items from the dark history of these groups. We also have a large selection of true crime memorabilia from such notorious cases as Edmund Kemper, Jeffrey Dahmer, Charles Manson, and many more. We add new items to the site every week and post sales and auctions on our Instagram at Cult Collectibles. So visit us on the web at cultcollectibles.org today. Hi, this is Jonathan Doe, and you're listening to Sick on Cinema. So I guess the best way to start this all off is just talk a little bit about yourself, like how you got into horror, how you got into, you know, movies in general. Okay, so, um, yeah, um, I think my first exposure to horror was like as a kid, I grew up very reserved and wasn't allowed to watch much. I think the most extreme thing I watched when I was a kid was uh, Temple of Doom when the guy gets his heart ripped out. And uh, growing up with my parents being split, when I was very young, my dad uh, definitely let me watch stuff that my mom didn't. I told my mom, I'm like, hey, I saw a guy get his heart ripped out in the movie. And that led to uh, some discussions there. I uh, was never allowed to watch horror movies after that as a kid. Even stuff like Gremlins until I was like 13. Oh, wow. Super reserved. And I would just, you know, go online, find all the sites like one, two, three movies and all that and just watched my heart's content like these horrible things and then it just kept getting more extreme as i went on i'm like always looking for the next big thing like i ran out of scary movies i'm looking for disturbing movies which led me to horrible reviews and i kind of attribute him for being like where i am today i found him when i was like 15 i think and i think that was my first exposure to like disturbing like underground cinema um and then just since then it just kept getting further and further uh, eventually run out of that i mean there's only so many times you can watch august underground before you know you're looking for something else and i was you know being the perverted little kid that i was uh was always obsessed with like things that i couldn't see and i had parental locks on my computer as a kid so i was trying to find ways around that and that leads you to shock videos which you know two girls one cup was a formative video yeah all. <laughs> you know the, this the entire like shock um video concept of like you know a number and then like a person and then an object and it's like you know two girls one cup two kids in a sandbox oh god uh yeah that's a rough one too um mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, um, I think I ended up getting 
my first adult film that I watched all the way through was Hot and Saucy Pizza Girls, actually, which <laughs> wasn't enough for me. And I was like laughing at it. I'm like, is there anything weirder? And I'm like remembering those shock videos. And I think that just led me to like PTJ, GSKD were just like where it started. And then it just kept going. The disturbing movie Iceberg came out. And I'm like, well, I can do this. Um, and before I started my channel, I met uh, Scott Gergens, uh, who did 29 Needles. Super nice guy. Uh, pretty much responsible for my channel even starting. Um, the channel started as a reason just to interview him. And I needed like a way to upload that. So I'm like, well, you know, if I start this channel, will you be on? He's like, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that was like a fetish horror film, which led me to stuff like Sam Hell. And then, yeah, it just kept going. Sperm Fest came up terrible meal i saw that reviewed on cinema's underbelly watched that and then you know being a uh click whore that i am for lack of a better word uh just started uploading videos and i'm like this is probably gonna do well uh which led me to goose milk and i got tired of pretending that i thought they were like these depraved things and i started to find them interesting and it just went from there uh banana box uh actually started because i bought a film called how to raise a pet girl uh from robin bougieman of um cinema sewer and just thought it was great and i'm like well more people need to see this he just sent me this blank dvd and i'm like well you know we can do art for this my girlfriend was in you know always wanting to do art so i'm like we should just start this little releasing project i mean putrid productions at this point um Banana Box started like six months ago or so, and Putrid Productions at this point has been gone for a few years as far as like their bootlegs go. Uh, since Jonathan Doe's focusing on his movies, I'm like, well, there's not really anybody to fill this spot other than people like Dead Format Films, but they're more into like B movies and everything. So I'm like, well, there's somebody that needs to, you know, share some of these stupid things. Um, so yeah, that's what kind of led us here. Um, not super like exciting stuff it just kind of kind of came as like my own fascination with that um and the desire of my girlfriend to do art and i'm like well this can be a good combo uh that just you know just keeps building you get more traction um unbox watch and review was huge for us um tanner's a good friend of mine and i sent him a few boxes um of stuff it was that first one with my mixtape that he reviewed though and that was uh, definitely like the big step to where we are now, for sure. Yeah, and how did you get into the, before we get into the JVs, uh, the mixtape stuff with the Totally Twatted series and eventually Banana Box kind of distributing other people's mixtapes? Like, how did that all come about? Yeah, so that originally, I can also attribute to Tanner. I saw him do a review of the Horror Church originally, and I'm like, well, this sounds awesome. I'd never seen a mixtape really prior to that point other than something like md pope just because it was on the disturbing movie iceberg uh obviously a terrible mixtape made by a terrible person just yeah. completely <laughs> completely lacking in substance and all um and i saw the horror church and I'm like oh so that's what they're supposed to be like like this heavily edited fun thing and i kept seeing all these gore tapes pop up um and I'm like, this is really stupid. It's just capitalizing on like human suffering. I'm like, well, if I'm going to watch human suffering, it better be like just a fetish film. So I'm like, well, I'm going to take my appreciation of fetish films. I'm going to make something that is more akin to the horror church versus something like FUBAR, which is probably the second mixtape that I ever watched. And it just started uh, really as like 
almost just like a little hobby project. I never expected it to sell at all. I originally was just making one copy for my friends. I'm like, hey, man, look at this stupid thing that I made. Um, and then I was, you know, trying to fund uh, future banana box stuff. So I'm like, I'll just sell 10 copies of this and see if anybody wants it. And people enjoyed it. And I'm like, well, you know, there may be something in this. Um, right. Which just led me to keep going, trying to make him better. Um, became good friends with the Ziggy Zombie. Um, super nice guy. He was the way we met was actually not even mixtapes. It was I was searching for, I believe, a link for terrible meal, and he hit me up on Reddit and we got talking about like all this weird stuff, and he didn't think they were like as depraved or like something to look down upon like a lot of other people did. And he sort of had like the same like thought process. They're just these fascinating things. And I was like Oh, well, yeah, that's really cool. Um, just became friends over that and, you know, uh, found his mixtape clusterfuck um, <laughs> a little bit after meeting him. Didn't know it was made by him. And I, I believe I actually sent him a link to clusterfuck. And he's like, oh, I made that. And I'm like, oh, OK. <laughs> and he's like, well, you know, I'm working on a new one called Japanathon. And I'm like, oh, awesome. And he sent that to me. Um, probably a month before the banana box release um, of it came about. And I sent him all the banana box files and everything for that. We were swapping files. I'm like, Hey man, I'm going to, you know, my first mixtape that I made is doing pretty well. Do you want me to put out yours? And he's like, well, yeah, sure. And that kind of led to a partnership there. Uh, mutual friends has kept going. Um, Vivian Savage on Instagram. Uh, he goes by not that mixtape. Uh, became friends with the Siggy and myself. Um, and we just kind of started forming this little like group of people that are trying to just make these, you know, stupid fun tapes versus something like the macabre tapes or something just gore related just to yeah. bring back that fun there. So yeah, just trying to start this little movement there and it's sort of taken off way more than I expected. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been really good. Um, was really happy to add born to lose volume one and two to that too. So those are, thank you. Those are great tapes. So definitely better than my first one. I'm, I'm not embarrassed of totally wanted one, but it's definitely, I look back on it and cringe a little bit because I, I tried not to be like foobar, but I used the same intro and I used the end clip from that as well. So, <laughs> so to move into the JV world, <clears throat> I guess the, the a great way to start it is just kind of like why is the Japanese pornography scene so coveted in the underground? Like every country has its weird fucked up porns, right? But it seems that like in underground cinema, as long as I've been in it, the Japanese scene has been the most sought after. Why, why do you think that is? Uh, that's a hard one because, I mean, the Czech Republic, I don't know why that just came to mind, but they had like some weird stuff here that was popular here. Um but I think Japan is really the one that focuses on like an entire movie. And I think that people have a, like this misconception that Japan is very open about sexuality uh, when they're actually not, it's very, very closeted. Um, so people like the, you know, adult film industry here is not nearly as regulated as in Japan. So there's not really a way for them to upload something like, to the internet that's why the internet porn industry here is so big uh japan they're focused mostly on physical releases just because that's the way it can go there and i think that the way that they treat sexual content and everything there um sort of results in people wanting to seek out more extreme things is because it's so much more taboo 
uh, which leads to, you know, stuff like gusso milk and terrible meal and all that, like these very taboo subject matter, like films, but they're also needing people to buy the DVDs and everything too. So there's like a certain like artistic quality to a lot of them because they have to get people in the door somehow to separate themselves. So I think a lot of people here, um, I've just noticed that, that like, you know, I've said it before about movies and everything too. This Japan does it best whenever they do anything really. So um, they just, you know, if you're going to make a, a shit porn here, it's just going to be like, you know, our most prominent thing is the walking toilable, I would say uh, from Probably. Jamie Gillis. And that looks like it was shot in like somebody's basement versus, you know, something like PTJ where they have like this entire like environment and set and like actual like actors and the people in them, like there's still like this weird, um sort of purity to the actors i would say that like this guys that they put on even when things are happening that i think definitely fascinates a lot of people um ganky ganky is a series too involving uh like animals during sexual content as well and um i think that in particular japan just has very weird laws like in regulations compared to a lot of the world so it's much easier to get stuff like that by um i think that just makes it really sought after i mean like when you're looking for extreme cinema i mean there's not really anything more extreme than you know like a ptj film or something like that like you know vomit enema ecstasy i mean like a title like that i mean you know <laughs> if you're into that sort of content you sort of got to seek it out and it's like here i think when someone thinks of like a fetish it's like you know they're like oh he's into feet or something in japan it's like in those films it's like oh well, he's in the feet but he wants to shit on them so <laughs> <laughs> yeah um like when i was like looking into this stuff like preparing for the episode for this uh episode it seems like um due to like weird laws that happened in japan from like the 50s onward like the jv scene didn't really start until like the 80s yeah yeah it did it's really weird um like it feels like they're industry didn't really take off for like decades after ours at least like i mean we've been having adult content since films were even made um in japan i mean really like it really only took off during like i would say the golden age here um of our adult content but japan like i don't know and the way that it was regulated and like involved with the yakuza and everything potentially is also really just bizarre um, I was reading that like the higher ups and like these companies would be completely related to the Yakuza and like they'd get paid for it, but they wouldn't think it's a big deal just because they thought they were like any other business being funded by them. Yeah. It's just, it's just weird. Yeah. It seems like a lot, like a lot of the companies that uh, potentially have ties to that, like a lot of the actors and actresses, you know, et cetera. They're like, yeah, there might be that, but we don't, we don't talk about that yeah it's it's definitely like a hush subject that's just kind of like looming over there and i don't know i there's definitely been like some like legal gray areas in some of those films as well like the uh backy series um oh yeah was super popular um for like extreme bdsm then it came out that they were the girls in the film actually were being drugged and assaulted and it resulted in like this whole court case and arrest being made and it's just it's very hush hush with a lot of stuff and they don't want to investigate it and it's it's just a lot <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. Um, and I find too that when it comes to like the Yakuza involvement, that was just kind of a thing, I feel like, in that era. Cause like as wrestling fans and MMA fans, you know, that was very funded and backed by the Yakuza as well. Oh in my that god. Same yeah. period. So I I think they just had their hand in everything. They were just trying to make money, kind of like in the seventies with the Ruffies, you know, being backed by the mob. Oh yeah, definitely. So um, J J A V is such a broad terminology that it's almost unfair to use that term to describe this stuff because it's like not all this stuff is the same and i think that leads to a lot of misconceptions when people see the term jv they soon immediately shit puke what do you think are some of the most common misconceptions when it comes to the japanese pornography scene um definitely like you know what you hear around here is like when you think of like japanese porn for most people be like tentacles and stuff like that you know um scat porn uh, vomit porn i mean it exists but you know i mean it's an industry just like ours as well so i mean um most of it is completely normal um but they definitely have access to more of that stuff but i think it's a misconception that like all japanese people are just into you know stuff like ganky ganky or gskd or any of that stuff like if any of this like bizarre fetish content um and I think that Japan as a whole is kind of looked on like as this being kind of odd and being more open about stuff when it may, especially in the adult scene, sort of uh, be almost the opposite of that, where they're much more reserved, but they're that extreme content to sort of exist. And I guess that's just what people cling to. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> as far as like, like non like graphic fetish, uh, Japanese porn goes. Um, is there any titles in there that like you find to be interesting? Okay, yeah, that is definitely um, what I want to do with Banana Box. Especially that was one of the reasons we started. Where uh, there's this company called Rocket that um, specializes in sort of like inanimate objects becoming personified. So there's stuff like Banana Box that released this film called Drink Gals that um, maybe just one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. But it's like this huge budget production where this film is shot exactly like an infomercial with like commercials and everything. These women are dressed up like soda cans and they don't move at all. They look like completely still. And they're saying that they're so refreshing and it literally will go through like different commercials of like different groups of men going and buying these women from this vending machine. And this vending machine, it, like, when you say it or you read it on paper, you think that it's, like, edited, so it looks like these women are in a vending machine. But no, they, they built this, like, 50-foot vending machine that um, the women just fall out of, and they completely fall out of it like just a can of soda. Oh, my God. Completely still, completely straight face. And there's, like, even, like, a flap that the guy has to lift to bring them with him. Oh, my uh, God. And instead of underwear, they have, like, a, a can tab they rip off and they of course you know fornicate and they say it's so refreshing but you like during the movie you'll see like a guy on his bi- this businessman on a break and he goes to the soda machine and gets one and he's doing it and he's eating sushi off of a plate off of her back and like he takes a phone call from his boss during the middle of it i mean stuff like that is really what i take as what japanese like adult content is away from the more disgusting stuff um you know, there's companies like VNR Planning and Aroma that specialize in that, but st- people like Rocket, that entire company, um, not sure who put it out, but there's a uh, film called uh, Garden Gals that's 
unrelated to drink girls but it's like a group of men plant seeds in this garden in their house and it's this huge thing like 10 feet of dirt and you just see like hands start lifting out of the dirt and it's growing women they're like watering them and it's like it's just so weird japan is great i don't know <laughs> <laughs> it's like the uh was it the uh uram series oh yeah yeah frog like, girl especially is that's a popular one it's so like that series is so fucking bizarre like yeah, it's, it, just the amount of like time that they take to do the body paint and stuff like they actually yeah set them up, like it's so weird it's like they had like a mummy one and like ghosts and of course frog girl and like it's not even it's not even played off as like like super like serious or anything like that it's super goofy and just bizarre all around so yeah it, as you were saying like with uh drink drink uh, gals and whatnot it's definitely like jv is not this just big taboo like nasty underground thing yeah it's definitely i feel like that lighthearted stuff is what i don't know i think a lot of people there are more drawn to that versus you know the extreme stuff here i feel like rocket itself i know is a pretty successful company too um but it seems like those aren't really the things that get traction overseas but it's honestly sort of disheartening to see that like goose oil milk is more popular than something like drink gals or human furniture or anything like that just this like honestly like well done well written like goofy gonzo porn that's um one aspect of jv too that i've noticed that differs especially from modern american pornography it's kind of the incorporation of like horror themes like if you look at like something like gskd or stank house they incorporate like almost folklore and horror into their uh into their uh films where do you think that comes from and like what are some titles in that that like stick out to you um yeah i have where it comes from i think like japan as a whole like culturally is very um into folklore and stuff like the kami and you know demons and all that stuff so you get something like stank house where it looks like the girl from the grudge is like coming through the door and they edit it like a horror movie and then it just randomly turns into a scat porn um <laughs> but um yeah it's just it's just a weird mix and they i think they do it well but i think they people in the industry i think there's like a greater focus on you know making an actual movie first and then like an adult film second so something like gskd i know it's a jv but it almost feels like a performance art film where there's like an overarching story and they are writing like this poetry through it and there's scenes where just a girl's walking there's ghosts everywhere and it's like this really like melancholic thing but it's like punctuated by this real like mutilation and everything and i think it they just play into each other uh, really well i think extreme bdsm in japan um is one of the ones that goes really well with like the horror aspect um the kt trilogy is similar um i think that's kt 002 006 and 008 um much like gskd it's like these very well shot like dark um like sets and everything that they have to build that they're trying to make a horror movie first and i don't know it's just like erotic horror and i think 
that that's even translated to stuff coming out in the U.S. as well as people like Sam Hell making like fetish gore films, uh, Jonathan Doe with the Degenerates, and you know Barf Bunny to an extent. I would say that's a comedy first, but even almost like that, like that sort of mix of eroticism and horror, um, I think is something that's not a, as explored here as it is there. But um, it's really fascinating to see when it's done well. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's almost like two emotions that are kind of correlated in a way. Like fear and horniness, I guess. Like they kind of go hand <laughs> yeah. in hand, you know. <laughs> it doesn't like being scared and getting a hard on. I mean, the slasher <laughs> films of the eighties, man. That's all they were. <laughs> hey, that's true. I didn't think about that, but yeah. No, GSKD is essentially just Friday the Thirteenth, so it's fine. I right. mean, you know, I, I mean, I think GSKD may actually have less nudity than Friday the Thirteenth, actually. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and kind of on that, you know, we touched a little bit on the Yakuza involvement. And uh, when we when we did um, Squirmfest, one of the things about that movie that stuck out to me was kind of the blurring of the lines of consent, which is something that like it, it is definitely a fetish in the states as well. Uh, but in Japan, it feels like because we know so little about like what goes on due to the translation thing, uh, that like there may be actual blurring of those lines more so than even like you know fantasy uh what can you talk about that and like is there a line there that can be pushed beyond like true consensual pornography it's a tough one i mean i know that like in as far as jv in japan like the you know rape fetish is definitely something that exists um and there's more mainstream companies that like produce that sort of content and i've never really understood that personally um, why it's so much bigger there um, speaking to someone um, I spoke to someone that lives in Japan that uh, knows someone in the industry and they were saying that um, innocence is big in Japan like so like taking that away is very taboo and it's something that people want to see but I also think that leads to um, directors making films that sort of push it a little too far where it's like it does become almost like it goes from being the simulated act to almost being like the real act and i've heard a couple of interviews with like actresses over there that were talking about other people that worked in that and they were saying that when they um were doing the film they wouldn't be completely like forced to do something but they would definitely be like strongly encouraged um like saying that you know if you do this it's going to be great and you're going to be famous and all this stuff but like also saying like you know if you if you don't do this maybe you're not going to be able to get so much work later on and i think you know even that is like not getting that consensual nature or that consent there from the actresses because they're being coerced into that and yeah. i think that results in stuff like lps especially i know jonathan doe was talking about that as well i've seen um the three in question and there's good acting and then you're watching that though and you know you can tell the difference between good acting and something that may be like the person on camera may not be acting completely like they may agree to it beforehand but there definitely comes a moment in uh some of those films where they do something and you definitely see the discomfort and they're just continuing because there's somebody like pushing them along that and i think that's it's definitely an issue especially when you get into the more extreme stuff like there's definitely people that you can tell that you know they're fully on board and the one person I always tout is Aoyuki, of course. Um, <laughs> Hero she, queen. She is 
fantastic. Uh, <laughs> but she, like, you can tell when she's working that she's, like, fully enjoying something. But if you're watching something like LPS, sometimes they'll even, like, blur the face of the person in question. So it's almost, oh, like, yeah, it gets to that point where it's, like, you know, is this done for show just to, like, keep the, like, fantasy alive? Or is this done because they're actually worried about like legal trouble well i know uh when i was uh looking into this stuff there was definitely a problem i don't know if it still exists i mean it's possible it definitely exists in you know other countries as well but they would uh directors would go out to uh women on the streets and whatnot and be like hey you want to do this modeling gig and they'd bring them in and be like okay now take your clothes off we're going to do this stuff to you yeah yeah they uh that was in uh one of the lps movies as well actually i think the like entire shtick of those is the first half is like either the woman is going there for like you know maybe a lewd photo shoot or just a normal like adult film filming session and then they blindfold her take her into this cage that's filled with animal organs and then you know Jeez. it goes on like <laughs> that so um but it definitely like when they get there they always look surprised and mm-hmm. you know it's hard to tell i mean i think at least two of the three of them are were consensual uh there's one of them they even show the actors showering with um the rest of the crew there so it's like but even that it almost feels like they're just trying to show that to take away from the times that it is real uh, yeah to be like well it was fake this time so i mean it's fake all the time getting you to think that but um the same thing happened in Gusso milk where they're uh, on the street trying to find someone to do something there and they were just blurring their faces and um i believe the person they found actually wasn't an adult film actress either and it was just a citizen that they just like you know paid an obscene amount of money to do it jesus so <laughs> and i you know i think uh Anru's tumbling doll flesh actually like showcases that pretty well and like he's probably trying to make a little bit of a statement on that or maybe not it may just be completely exploitation it's hard to say <laughs> <laughs> But have you seen Tumbling Doll Shit, which was the <laughs> sequel by Anuru. Uh t- actually it was the third one that came after uh Desecration Fuck. I'm uh, not. <laughs> yeah, Tumbling Doll Shit is a shit porn parody of his own movie <laughs> that he it's... directed, and it is literally Tumbling Doll of Flesh, but instead of being murdered, the woman is covered in bandages and she essentially gets her her shit eaten by the woman that's there with her that's some inception type of shit be like i'm gonna make a parody of my own movie no it's yeah it's something it's one of those ones that i yeah it's weird (laughs) (laughs) makes a good double feature though it's like i wonder what happened to the girl after that's like oh well she's still alive and you know she's she's getting her uh and her shit ate by somebody so hell yeah (laughs) the way it should be the the way it should be what do you think it is that drives people into seeking out these movies do you think it's just like a chasing the dragon kind of thing like why we step into like stream cinema in general i think so um i can only speak from like personal experience um i've always told people that it's like riding a roller coaster where it's like you want to see what you can handle i guess and they're definitely like i think in most people that are you know into extreme cinema or into jv stuff later on like we're those kids that got those shock videos sent to them and it's like you know you're disgusted by it but then you want to send it to somebody else because it's like look what i watched and you you wear like sort of like a badge of honor and then you know 
you just for me i just came to like appreciate extreme cinema more than that like movies that i originally just watched because they were disturbing like went on and i they just became some of my favorite movies just because of how well done they are and it's like you know some of the movies that people are saying are so disturbing are just total just shit (laughs) yeah like uh you know megan is missing i mean that was one of the hardest experiences (laughs) to sit through i think i've ever had um not because it was disturbing but because i kept falling asleep until the last 10 minutes and it feels like it's a soap opera and yeah yeah but it's even it's even like charlotte's net oh god which which i know we probably shouldn't even mention this fucking movie but (laughs) it's like it's just all like oh let's shock people without having any fucking substance at all oh yeah definitely i'll i'll go in on charlotte's net i've never done a full review because i i try to make my channel like you know relatively positive but if i reviewed a charlotte's net it'd just be me for 20 minutes complaining about how dog shit that movie is (laughs) it feels like it was made by me when i was 12 sending stuff around to people i'm like hey look what i watched and it's like okay well i'm gonna go on you know um ogreish.com and just find like the three worst videos i can i'm gonna put them in a movie and i'm gonna make a movie about two edgy kids watching this that makes no sense and then you know we're just gonna we're gonna sell it as like the next big thing and it's just it's so stupid and the acting is bad the way it shots bad oh god it's bad really i really hate that movie I think that's the only movie I've ever thrown away. I didn't even sell it. I like watched oh, the movie. I took it out of my DVD player and I threw it in the trash. And I was on call with my girlfriend. I'm like, I'm like so embarrassed that I paid money for that movie. Yeah. It's like, it's so bad. I got to the part so, where you shoot on his friend's wallet. And I was oh, like, yeah, I don't yeah. want to go further with this. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's like a good indication of the quality of the rest of the movie yeah honestly yeah. I, would, I would honestly rather i felt like my wallet was shit on when i bought the movie <laughs> and then, and then uh, you know i would rather have my wallet shit on than watch that movie again so so yeah. but my, my, my question though is uh would you still be friends with someone if they shit on your wallet <laughs> see that's a hard question i mean like how, how long have i known the person <laughs> i don't know <laughs> um so i guess another question would be like for someone who's maybe curious about the the more extreme side of jav where would you recommend them to start so there's two options there you start either start where i started which was squirm fest or you start with something that's a little bit easier to stomach Mm -hmm. um if you're trying to get into like something that's like you know fluid based <laughs> for lack of a better word like all with everything that comes with i would say like um ptj for sure limitless vomit is probably um the easiest jv but if you're trying to even get into that i would say something like barf bunny from jonathan doe i know it's not a jv but i mean like i feel like that's that sort of content but done in a more tongue-in-cheek like professional way yeah um I feel like J, uh, GSKD is another good one. Um, the content's extreme in that, but it, you know, if you watch it as just a horror movie and you're, you know, the people in the film are not dying, uh, like they're <laughs> fully into it, and it's at least shot like an actual film. And I feel like those give an indication of sort of the two sides and more like extreme JV because you get the BDSM side, which is super popular, and you get the like, you know, the nasty puke side. I mean, I wouldn't even start with Terrible Meal. Terrible Meal. I know that's one that uh, is like super infamous there, but Terrible Meal is actually like 
I don't know. It almost turns my stomach just because it, it shot like I don't know. It feels like the woman in that movie is like being held hostage. <laughs> <laughs> like it's in the dark. She has like this weird, creepy setting, and then she just you know she eats and then uneats it. As uh, so, I said in my review, <laughs> yeah, it's so like that one's so surreal because it's just like, what is this room? What what is any of this? What what the fuck is this? Like if you got if you sent that to somebody who did, had no idea about what it was, they they would think it was like I don't know like some kind of like snuff movie film. <laughs> snuff yeah, movie like art. when did she die? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, she's in, she starts puking, and it's like you know, it's like oh, well, that's gross. But it's like, why is she doing it into this bucket <laughs> or like yeah. a gravy bowl? Just never, oh. yeah, God. Even yeah, it's guys, it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, I find it strange in films like that and Squirmfest where they go so hard to try to put you into this a world, immerse you in this situation, just for it to like break the fourth wall immediately. <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, I don't know why they do that. <laughs> oh God! Um, yeah, and they they say the they're like, oh, we um coerce this girl to come here and eat, but like it's supposed to have a story. But why is she was she hired to eat, <laughs> and she just got sick from eating too much, or like what happened there? <laughs> it's I don't know. So weird. <laughs> and it's like people said it was disturbing though, but it's like you know I never really thought of like puke as disturbing. Like if I see someone like just puke in the road, I'm like, oh, they're probably fucked up. Not yeah. like I, I never see like a drunk guy like puking on the road, and I'm like, oh man, that's that's horrifying. I mean, this is gonna this is gonna disturb me for a long time. <laughs> it, it, for me, it's been my kryptonite though. Like it's like I don't know, seeing someone pu- someone puke, and especially like in Terrible Mill, the way it happens there, and PTJ, it's just like it's so like it's so insanely gross. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh god. I, I don't know. I've never been able to handle it. So, well, that's an interesting thing too. Is like we find this stuff disturbing because we are not into it. However, this is at the end of the day, pornography. Yeah. So if you're like yeah, into this yeah. stuff, it ain't disturbing at all or weird or gross at all. It's hot. <laughs> I just yeah. I want to I want to find and interview the person that you know watches Goose on Milk as an actual erotic film <laughs> and see what's going through their minds. It I just, probably actually, like, not not even an interview. I just want to see what their house looks like. Just, oh just, I'm just, I'm just curious. It's like messy tales. I'd imagine it'd be like pristine. <laughs> like everything is perfect. That's like their fetish. You know, they don't like yeah. delve into it. Like their house is perfect. They're neat, clean. But deep down, they want to be that. You know, <laughs> honestly, yeah, that would make probably, so much more sense. Either that, either, either that, or it's the opposite. It's like a four, the typical four chan user. <laughs> it's like Mountain Dew bottles on the floor and everything. <laughs> Fucking poor chain user. So, where does like hentai fall into this? Because I mean, like, do they go hand in hand, or is that kind of two separate entities? I feel like that's separate, but I feel like that's another can of worms on its own. Um, it doesn't get as extreme, but I mean, you know, it's animated, so you can do stuff that you can't do in real life, which. Uh, I think that's what makes it so popular here. And I also think that, like, the reason it's popular here is, like, I hate to say it, but so many children are exposed to it. This, like, you know, when we're 13, 14 years old, and it's, like, so much easier to explain if your parents walk in, you're like, I'm just watching cartoons. Yeah. It's just, yeah, tentacle hentai, though, is a, that's a big one. 
uh, for sure. <laughs> and there is real tentacle porn too, with like the like props and everything, but it's definitely not as prominent. Um, so I guess to start kind of rounding this out a little bit, talk a little bit about like because you know we're talking this the best, the worst, the ugly. Kind of break that down. Uh, like, what do you good. think is like the best of the genre? And what is like the most extreme of the genre? It doesn't actually have to be good, but just as far as it can go. Okay, so I would say the best is something like, you know, GSKD. Um, as I said before, it is really well done, haunting like horror movie aspect stuff. But I would say the worst away from like something like Backy, where it's, you know, non consensual, like resulted in that, I would say it's definitely like something like Ganky Ganky. And, uh, <laughs> those are tough to stomach i'll say that like if you're i think that even like crossed a line for me like i thought i didn't really have something that i wasn't going to be like i'm like oh this is just fascinating and gross but when you watch like ganky ganky 19 and you see a pipe like this clear pipe come out and then there's a bag of cockroaches and you're wondering what's happening to that and they start getting stuffed into the pipe into a person i mean stuff like that like stuff that i wouldn't even be like be able to imagine like a nightmare is just yeah it's horrible um ganky ganky one nobody talks about that either involves a dog um (laughs) and yeah that was a it's quite an experience trying to work through those and it's like they're not even that hard to get either so i feel like i don't know they just become infamous because of that and it's just it's just nasty um ptj is also um I feel like PTJ kind of skirts the line between good being good and bad just because it's so disgusting, but it's like at the same time is like so professionally shot. It's like, you know, you're going to see a woman puke, but you're going to see it in 4k <laughs> on a set with like props and everything there. Uh, PTJ four, especially that's another one that skirts the lines called rare fetish um, involves uh, chicken feet, getting their toenails painted um someone being like strung up in like a mummy costume it's once you start delving into like that more extreme stuff you start it gets bad but <laughs> <laughs> isn't that uh the was a ganky ganky one is it not in foobar um i think it is yeah where she yeah i don't even know how much i can say without you know getting myself on a watch list here but <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> but, we're all already on there but yeah the uh you see a lot of nipples and they're not necessarily human ones in that <laughs> yeah uh yeah i think that was I think... the only part i fast forwarded through in that i think i watched fubar in one and a half speed actually because i was so bored <laughs> dude <laughs> like oh two god hours the, the 10 minute like art like performance art clip with um forgot his name but like cutting himself and like rubbing himself in the glass for you know 10 or 12 minutes oh my god that didn't need to be in there <laughs> no and again this is the conversation for a different day i understand that but man fubar fucking blows <laughs> no i agree i agree it's 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 such a bad example of what the like the mixtape genre is yeah i thought i cut you off Matt. you had a question uh i, I didn't i don't think so okay <laughs> I'm just making sure because I feel like I was talking and like you like brought something up. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> well, I, um, I think I was just gonna bring what I brought up with Ganky Ganky. Oh, Ganky Ganky, yeah. So as far as like just like, um, you know, extreme cinema goes, this is a question I think a lot of people like because it's always a hot topic. What do you think is the most disturbing movie ever made? Oh God, uh, if I answer wrong, I'm gonna get like 
demonized by people there's no wrong I, answers <laughs> what's uh, i mean for me personally i think the most like affected i've been by a movie um was probably the bunny game honestly Ooh. and um august underground i would say especially mortem is probably like the most extreme content wise um before you start getting into like you know real life occurrences in there um like something like a marion dora movie yeah um, yeah if you're including that i would say melancholy durangle is probably the most extreme movie i've seen but i mean it almost becomes like comically dark with like how far that movie goes with like you know cutting up the dead baby and like burning it but like it also gets like pretentious and they're just wrapping like photos around themselves and there's this, these spans of moments so i feel like it's hard to really like pin down the one but i feel like I feel like the classic answer for me that would be August Underground Mortem for sure. Yeah. Um, that's that really just like takes like just normal horror and just kind of steps it up in about every way there. Yeah. It's August Underground Mortem is like when it comes to like I guess the fictional realm, of course, it's probably about as far as you can go in a way. I mean, it it kind of blends in some real shit too, you know. Oh yeah. With some puke and some uh, self mutilation and stuff in it as well. Yeah, I was I was definitely shocked by that the first time. Um, didn't expect the like real puke scene and stuff. Yeah. Um, oh, I think the other one is uh, the Vomit Gore trilogy for sure. Oh, I wouldn't say it's disturbing, yeah. but it's definitely like as far as stuff that's like not strictly pornography, like is definitely up there. Yeah. Yeah, we can all agree that August Underground is good. Yeah, <laughs> spooky, <laughs> you motherfucker! <laughs> Shitting on fucking August Underground. <laughs> but uh, uh, before we wrap this up, is there anything coming up you want to plug or you want to talk about before we uh, wrap this up? Uh, just Banana Box releasing. Make sure to follow us on there for any listeners that you know haven't bought stuff from us before. We, you know, we have mixtapes, fetish films. We have a couple. Uh, shockumentaries coming out on the way. We have uh, the mute shockumentary. Um, follow me at Shock and Schlock for my reviews, my YouTube channel. Um, Paul Audart, uh, my girlfriend, for uh, all your art stuff there. I also want to say that we're taking commissions for that as well. So if you have a film, a short film, anything you want released or you want art for, just you know, hit us up. So, heck yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we are proud to be Garrow Gang affiliated. I appreciate okay. you guys having me. No, okay. uh, no, I mean my fetish is being on podcasts, so hell yeah, this, this has worked <laughs> out very well. <laughs> gang, gang, Garrow gang for life all the way, and I don't even know where that came from. So Garrow gang was just one of those things that I started saying, and people started saying back to me. And I'm like, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs>